You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning, everyone. Tyler got a better reception than that. Come on now. Good morning, everyone. All right. Who's ready for New Year's tonight? Who will be honest and say, I will not make it to see the ball drop? I will be one of those who will be sound asleep. After 8 o'clock, I can't function. So for those of you that stay up, enjoy the new year. And let me be, if you haven't heard it already this morning, let me be the first to wish you all a happy new year. If you are a guest today with us, we're so honored to have you here. My name is David, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to kick off a new message series that could not be more perfectly uh, prepped for us today as we end 2017, as we head into 2018. This series that we're in, Step Forward, is a year-long theme for those of you who are guests today, or maybe you're newer to the church. This whole idea, since September, we'll take it all the way through August of next year, is built around a phrase that one of Jesus' first followers, a guy by the name of Paul, wrote to a first-century group of believers in the city of Galatia, where he said, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so in this particular year, we've been challenging ourselves and inviting you to step forward And each week or each month of the series, we've been asking you for various ways to step forward in various areas. And so for this season, it's a natural time for you to be thinking about New Year's resolutions. Many of you have probably been reflecting on 17, and you're thinking and hoping and praying 18 is as good or better than 17 was, and you're thinking about some of the New Year's resolutions. Well, this is a natural time for us to do that. And so we want to invite you not just to step forward with any kind of resolve. We want you to step forward with new resolve. And specifically during this series, we want to talk about what are the spiritual practices or other terms, if you're in Christendom, you've heard before the spiritual disciplines that help a person to keep in step with the Spirit. And today we're going to be unpacking as a theme verse, our theme for this particular series. It's found in one of the first century letters that Paul wrote to his young protege, Timothy. And here's what he says. Train yourself to be godly. Now let's just right out of the gate say that you have to own this stuff that we're going to be talking about for yourselves. How many of you are thinking probably need to get back to the gym in January? Anybody? Yeah, it's a natural time. Those of you who are regulars around the gym, you'll know that everybody will be cleared out by February. But at the beginning of the year, you go back and you have that new resolve. And we're going to hopefully take that further in the spiritual disciplines. You have to own what it is that we're going to be talking about for yourself. I can't train you by myself to be godly. You have to do that. You can't train me to be godly. I have to want that and have to train myself to do that. We can help each other, but ultimately... I can't go to the gym for you. You have to go to the gym spiritually for yourself. He says, physical training is good, but training for what? God, boy, you guys are not with me yet. Come on now, wake up. Training for what? Godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And so throughout this series, we're going to talk next weekend about the power of community, of of being loved and belonging in a local body of believers, in the fellowship of community, in the context of relationships. That's why this is the season, like Tyler mentioned, where we are going to be uh, inviting you to sign up for connect groups. 
which are traditional small groups, men's, women's, couples, uh, interest groups, Bible studies, uh, women's groups, all different kinds of groups that are going to be offered. And then there are also connect, those are connect groups and then contribute groups. Doors wide open. All of that's online. You can go right into the app. In fact, if you go right into the app under events, you can find the place. You can sign up. I sent you an email a couple of weeks ago inviting you to sign up for Connect Groups. You can click right on that link, and it'll fill in all the information for you. You just select which group you want. Your group leader will be in touch. Today was the email for all of the contribute side of things, as Tyler mentioned. So all of that's out there for you. If you're one of those people who says, I shall not use a computer. I do not want anything to do with the online world. I want paper and I want to see it right in my hands, we've got you covered. Out in the Connection Center, there is information out there. You can go right out there. You can fill all of that out. Sign up for groups. Do not delay. Space is limited. That's next weekend. You can sign up now if you want. The third weekend, we're going to talk about silence and solitude. It's going to be the quietest service you've ever been to in your life. Just going to come in and sit. Just kidding. But we did pick two of our most, um, use the most words, communicators to preach that day. Wait until you see who that is. <clears throat> Donnie Marsh might be one of them. Uh, worship and celebrate. He's not here, so I can pick on him. Uh, worship and celebration. You're actually going to hear from Alaska and Trey on that weekend. Looking forward to that. Our worship leaders are going to be sharing God's word. I'm going to be leading worship that Sunday. Just kidding. Uh, just wanted to see if you're awake. One, one or two were awake. And then the last weekend, I'll be wrapping the series up with a message all about the meditation of Scripture and how we ingest and digest God's Word together. Today, though, we're going to talk about prayer. And specifically, I want to talk with you about tenacious prayers, bold prayers, insistent prayers, persistent prayers, and how we pray with a new resolve as we begin a brand new year. Now, it's time on a season like this for us to do some evaluating. So think for just a minute about what kinds of prayers you've prayed over the course of 2017. What's been the focus of your prayer life, if, if you've had one? And we don't make an assumption that you do have a prayer life as we begin this today. If you're exploring faith in Jesus, if you're investigating the claims of Christ, and you're here today, today's a great day for you to be here because God actually wants you to talk to him and he wants to talk back to you. He wants to have an ongoing conversation. That's what prayer is. And I'm gonna teach you today how to pray tenacious prayers. But what's been the focus of your prayers, the frequency? How is your prayer life similar or maybe how is it different than it was this time last year? Has your approach to prayer helped you keep in step with the spirit or maybe has it hindered you from keeping in step with the Spirit like we're talking about? And what would help you to most step forward in the area of prayer in this coming year? Now, if you came from a church background where it wasn't okay to laugh in church, that's not your experience here at Riverside, okay? It's okay to laugh in church. Look at your neighbor, say, it's okay to laugh. Go ahead real quick. It's okay. You can chuckle. You can laugh. And from time to time, Christians poke fun at themselves. And to help us in this evaluative experience here, I've leaned on Tim Hawkins, who is a Christian comedian, fantastic guy, love, love his comedy. Um, and he has some thoughts on prayer that help us to frame what we're going to talk about here today. So as you're thinking about your own prayer life and whether or not you're a person who prays tenacious prayers, take a look at the screen and let's listen in on just some of the fun we can poke at ourselves as it relates to prayer. 
Well, that really had nothing to do with what we were going to do today. I just thought we should laugh a bit. It's a great time to laugh. Laughter is a good medicine, the Bible says. So uh, if you want to check Tim out online, you can do that. But the question that we're going to answer today is how does a person who is in step with the Spirit pray tenacious prayers? That's what we want to try to unpack this morning. And in doing so, I want to begin by trying to address some confusion that I've heard over the years as it relates to prayer. I want to try to help you to see some verses that as a follower of Jesus, you may have heard, you may have read, you may have understood them one way, but then as you try to actually experience them in a relationship with God, there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between what you read and what Jesus said maybe or what you've heard preachers talk about, and your actual experience, I want to try to help with that. I also want us to look at the condition of our heart and the posture of our heart as we go to God in prayer. It's to be a private. Obviously, there's a corporate piece, but Jesus obviously very clearly taught about a private aspect to prayer. And what we want to talk about here today is how to not just get this down into ourselves, but how to be able to pass this on to our children. I am one who has been blessed by parents who taught me how to relate to God in prayer, how to talk to him, how to pray tenacious prayers. And though I have got a long way to go, I want to pass that on to you so that you can pass it on to those kids that are over there, to the kids that are in the nursery, to grandchildren that you might have or family or friends that you're relating to and conversing with. And they're maybe wondering, how do I connect to God? How do I talk to God? How does he talk back to me and relate to me as a heavenly father? That's what I want to try to walk you through today. And I want to put it in very simple, clear terms for us as much as I possibly can. And to do that, we're going to begin in the text that we commonly know as the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have a Bible or need a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 5, 6, 7, right around in there is where we're going to be. As we begin today, we're going to look at a number of other texts. There's some Bibles that are under the seats there. If you need a paper Bible, again, digitally, you can follow along with the notes. Everything will be there. You can email yourself the notes after the service is over so you can hang on to this stuff and work and seek to apply it in your own life. As we go to God in prayer, I want to begin by letting you know that as we approach him, we need to do so with an awareness of what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. He is a good heavenly father. And just as parents so many times know what we need as children, even before we need, uh, even before we know what we need, God, your heavenly father already knows what you need as you come to him in prayer. And so, so many times we spend so much time saying, God, this, 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 and this. I want to invite you to take anything and everything as Jesus teaches us to do to our heavenly father. But you could streamline that a bit because he already knows what, what you need and he knows what's best for you as you go to him. He invites you to come openly with anything and everything. But there are some ways of relating to God that can begin to have a breakthrough for you as we look through this, but you need to know that he knows what you need. In other words, when you go to him and say, God, I lost my job. I need some help with that. He's not in heaven going, ah, I didn't see that one coming. Now, what are we going to do? When the diagnosis comes, when the relational strain and stress comes, when the finances start to go south, he's not in heaven panicked. He already knows what you need, but he invites you to come. And with an awareness of what you know about God, that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he has your best interest in mind, you can go to him as you would 
an earthly father. And maybe your earthly father was not a good example. Maybe, you, maybe that's a hard thing for you to relate to God as a good heavenly father. But don't confuse your heavenly father with your earthly father if you didn't have a great dad because your heavenly father does have your best interests in mind. He does care about you. He does love you. He does have your back and he wants what's best for you even more truthfully than you and I want what's best for us. So Jesus teaches over in Matthew chapter seven as a part of this whole message that Jesus preaches that day on the mountainside. He says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now you read those verses and you think, then why is what I'm asking for not happening? Why is what I'm seeking not, I'm not finding it? And why are the doors seem to be closed? I don't understand this. Jesus said that. Why is there a disconnect between my experience in prayer and those kinds of verses? I want to try to help you see this because you could read those two verses and they pull real nicely out of that sermon and they look really nice on a piece of paper on your refrigerator that you can claim. But the truth is, is that those things are activated by some things that Jesus said earlier in that sermon. Interestingly enough, Luke records this same part of the message that Jesus preached that day in his gospel in chapter 11. And he actually goes further that says there that Jesus was specifically mentioning the Holy Spirit, that when we ask, when we seek, and when we knock, that God gives us his Holy Spirit. But I think that there's some truth that you can glean from this. If you will look at those two verses, ask, seek, and knock in light of two statements that Jesus makes earlier in the sermon, because it's all one connected. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. As he's teaching his disciples to pray, they said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Hey, John taught his disciples to pray. We've heard from our rabbis and from our priests and scribes and Pharisees how to pray, but we'd really love to hear how you pray and what you would teach us to pray. So he didn't teach them a prayer. He taught them a model of prayer. And in the middle of that, he says to pray to our heavenly father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've perhaps recited that for the most part of your life. If you grew up in settings where the Lord's prayer was repeated over and over again on Sundays or throughout the week or at dinner tables, Jesus teaches us here that as we go to God in prayer, we start with submission to his will, to his purposes, to his plans. And that activates what Jesus says over in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus also gives us a key to how we're to read Matthew 7 verses 7 and 8. In Matthew 6, 33, he tells us that we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness rather than being consumed with worry and all of these other things that we're concerned about, that he knows what we need before we even ask him, he will give us those things. But you got to look at verses 7 and 8 of Matthew 7 in light of what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, first of all, God, your kingdom come. Your Your will be done. In other words, I want your will more than I want my will. And God, I really struggle with that. So help me to want your will more than I want my will. Because on my own, I want my thing over your thing. But he says, you know what? If you want to see the truth of 7 and 8 happen, you got to read 10 and you got to read 33. You got to come to God and say, you know what? Your kingdom first, your agenda first, your resources, they're all yours. I'm managing those. 
this body, it's yours. I'm just a manager. My relationships, my children, my spouse, my friends, my job, it's all yours. And I want your kingdom to come and I want your will to be done. I'm seeking you first, your kingdom, your agenda, your plans, your movement, all of that is first. Then watch what happens. What you ask for and what you seek and what you knock will be your heavenly father's will. And the doors will be wide open. God says, you get with my agenda and watch and see as I give you the Holy Spirit and all of these things that you're concerned about. But see, we come to God, hopefully I'm not the only one, with my own agenda, with my own plans, with my own dreams, with my own desires. I want my thing before I want God. And then I ask, I seek, and I knock, and it falls apart, and I don't understand why. Oh, it's because I wasn't seeking your kingdom first, God. It's because I wanted my agenda before I wanted yours. You see, the power of that, we take those seven and eight out of context like a genie in a bottle, and that's not tenacious praying. Then you have these kinds of verses that are found over in John chapter 15 and verse 16. Two verses that when I was younger, I couldn't understand as I got older and as I read and I studied and I began to experience life in general. I kind of figured out, oh, this is what, how these dots connect. Jesus is with his disciples, the apostles, the closest group. So he's speaking specifically to them. Although I think these verses have good context for us and good understanding for us, they were spoken, first of all, to his group of the inner 12. And in this final night before he is betrayed by Judas and goes to the cross, he teaches his disciples some things about prayer. He says in John chapter 15 and verse 7, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. We love that last part. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you, right? Jesus, you said ask whatever whatever we wish, and it would be done for me. Yeah, but you got to read the first half of that verse. If you remain in me. In other words, you are submitted to him, you are fully doing the things that we just talked about, that he taught about in Matthew chapter 6 and chapter 7. Then you read what he said to them in verse 23 and 24 of chapter 16. Very truly, I tell you, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Jesus is making a huge change in how we relate to God. Up until this point, no one had ever prayed in the name of Jesus, but he's about to establish that practice Here's how he says it. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Again, he's speaking very specifically to them as they are aligned around his purposes, his plans, his goals, his agenda, his dream for them. And as they lived and moved and remained in him, what they asked for was what he would want them to be asking for, and the miraculous happened. And we're here today because they prayed some tenacious prayers. Now, they got this. They understood this. In fact, we're going to read two verses, one written by John, who was one of the closest people to Jesus on this earth when he was walking on the earth. The other one is actually from his half-brother, James, who after the resurrection became a follower. They understood this. They got it. Listen to how they described this whole idea of prayer. 1 John chapter 5, here's what he says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, notice this, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have 
what we have asked of him. John says, hey, we've got carte blanche with God. We can ask him for anything as long as it is in accordance with his will. And when we live and move and are in step with the Spirit. See, this is how this works. We're in step with the Spirit. So when we pray, we understand, hey, I'm not asking for my thing. I'm asking for his thing. And his thing and my thing are the same thing. And he understands. He already knows what I need because he's a good, loving, heavenly father. And I implicitly and explicitly trust him. Therefore, I can have confidence that he hears me and what I ask will be in alignment with his plan and his purposes. James says it this way. You don't have what you, ask, what you want because you don't ask God for it. Instead, what do we do? They did the same thing back then that we do today. We talk to our spouse. We talk to our parents. We talk to our kids. We talk to our, maybe our small group or our pastor, or we talk to a friend, or we talk to somebody at work. We talk to everybody, but God's up there going, hey, you, I'm right here. Supreme commander, ruler of everything, creator, you've not asked me about it. We've not talked about it. James says, pay attention, listen up. Talk to God first about the things. He already knows what you need, but he's invited you to come and talk to him. Then he says it this way. And even when you ask, you don't get it. Why? Why, James? Because your motives are all wrong. Imagine this, every time Jesus went to Mary and Joseph and asked for something, they said yes, because he was in alignment with God's will. And James, nope, he had a lot of wrong motives along the way. Imagine there must have been a little sibling rivalry there, huh? You only want, uh, you want only what will give you pleasure. So our motives matter as we come to God. And when we come to God with the pure motives that we're going to look at, and the kinds of prayers that we're going to talk about today, and there's a tenacity in our prayers. We can step forward with a resolute spirit, a new resolve as we begin this new year to praying the kinds of prayers that we're going to look at in just a moment. I want to give you several components that I've learned over the course of time. They come straight out of Scripture, but I've put them in everyday terms. You can pray in King James if that's what you grew up with. There's nothing wrong with praying in the King James uh, High English but God doesn't need that to relate to you. He wants you to speak to him as you would to someone else. So here are some components that we're going to put up on the screen and they're in your notes of tenacious, tenacious prayers. First, it begins by addressing him as Heavenly Father. I already mentioned this a few moments ago. That may be hard for some of us, but if you can begin to get past that and relate to God as a good Heavenly Father, he's invited you to do that and he's trustworthy. You start there. Then a tenacious prayer moves forward with something along this line. God, you're awesome, and you're in control. By default, that means that I am not awesome, and I am not in control. And I hate that part of tenacious prayers, because I want to be in control. I want to be able to control the outcomes. But if I begin with a posture that says, God, you're incredible, you're amazing, you're awesome, you're in control, I'm not. In other words, this is where you identify the fact that God already knows what you need. God, you already know what I need. As I come to you, none of this is going to surprise you. But here's some things that I'm concerned about. You've invited me to come. Would you give me some breakthroughs? Would you give me some victory? Would you lead me not into temptation? The next part says something along this line. I'm submitted to your will and your purposes. God, I'm submitting myself to you your plan, your will, your purposes, even if it's difficult. Even if I kick and buck along the way, God, I, you need to know the posture of my heart is I'm submitted. 
I'll do what you're asking. I'll apply what you're teaching me. I'll follow through on what you're asking of me. This next part is absolutely crucial. After you've submitted yourself to his will and your purposes, three phrases, you've heard me teach them many times over the years, but they have to be in prayer and people miss them in prayer constantly. And I think it's one of the biggest obstacles that we face to experiencing the power of tenacious prayers. The three phrases are, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? I've had you do this before, but I'm going to ask you to do it again. We're about to start a new year. Why not go ahead and start with repentance? Would you say them with me? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Come on, you can do this a little better. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? If all you do is apologize, that's not the same thing as forgiveness. I'm sorry is not the same thing as would you please forgive me? If I wrong Amy, if I hurt one of my kids and all I do is apologize, there is still a debt-debtor relationship there. I have to acknowledge that I made a mistake. I was wrong are some of the hardest words to ever speak to another person. They can be hard to say to our Heavenly Father because he's always right and we're always wrong. But you can just get used to that in a relationship with God. Hey, God, I blew it. You haven't gone anywhere but I made a mistake. I chose that path. You probably didn't want me to do that, but I messed up along the way. I'm really sorry. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And the beauty, the difference of our heavenly father and our earthly relationships is God is standing on the balcony of heaven face to face with you saying yes right away because of what my son did at the cross. I forgive you. And if you're feeling distant from God, if that language of forgiveness is not in your vocabulary, get it. Not just with your heavenly father, but with the people that are closest to you. You might go home and you might look them in the face today and you might say, you know what? Pretty much for all of 2017, I'm sorry. (laughs) I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And they might just pass out right there but you can begin to have healthy relationships if you'll apply this, not just in prayer, but with people. You continue on in this prayer and you say, God, would you grant me strength? Would you grant me strength to overcome for your glory? Our natural default in prayer is, God, get me out of this situation. God, take away the hurt. Take away the pain. Remove the difficult circumstances. I don't want to have to face this. I don't want to have to endure that. But you don't see Jesus, and you don't see Paul, and you don't see John, and you don't see Peter, and you don't see the great men and women of prayer with that kind of a prayer life. Did they ask for relief? Absolutely. Is there anything wrong with asking for that? Absolutely not. But if all we do is pray for comfort and we don't pray for a completing work to be done in our lives, we will shortchange the depth of how our prayers could interface with God. And instead of saying, God, just get me out of it, if we could begin to learn to pray, God, help me, grant me the strength in the trial, in the hardship, in the difficulty to overcome for your glory. Because see, when we get this right and we live this out, even though it's hard, he gets glory. Who got glory for Christ's death? God the Father. Who got glory when Peter was crucified upside down? God got glory. Who got glory when John was thrown into a vat of oil alive and burned and he didn't die and they put him on Patmos? Who got glory for that? God got glory for that. And he gets glory when you and I go through difficulties and hardships for his glory. The next thing 
I recommend and tenacious prayers is a phrase that says, thank you. Thank you, God, for providing. Thank you for providing and you fill in the blank. The resources, the friends, the relationship, the health. Thank you, God. Acknowledging God with a thank you, with a grateful heart, with a spirit of appreciation must be a part of your prayer life. Next is I'm dependent upon you, God. I'm dependent upon you for, and then you fill in the blank. This is equivalent to what Jesus taught us when he taught us in the prayer that he taught his disciples, that model that we're dependent upon him. God, would you give us our daily bread? Father, I am dependent upon you for the ability to get out of bed today, to go have the conversation, to raise my son, to navigate these teenage years with my daughter. God, I am dependent upon you to survive this, these years with my parents. I don't understand them. I don't get them. Provide, direct me, help me in this. There's an acknowledgement that you're dependent upon your heavenly father. And then the part that I really honestly hate the most, because I know it's going to be, I know God's going to always answer this with a yes. Please grow in me. I don't want to have to always grow, but but, I, but you do. You need to. You got you to gotta grow. So God, would you please grow in me? And then this right here is where you fill in. Grow in me patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, love, joy, peace, self-control, all of what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. God, would you please grow in me? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You're not going to pray all of those at one time, but there will be seasons of your life. But here's what I can guarantee you, and this is where it really stinks if I'm telling you the truth, in order for God to grow those in your life, he's got to put just the opposite in your life. So when he wants to grow patience in you, he's going to put you on the parkway and on 28 headed into the city. He's going to put the unlovable people or person in your life when he wants to grow love in you. You see where I'm going with this. The opposite of what you need is where he'll, what he'll put in your life to grow. And then it feels like, wait a minute, God, you're not answering my prayer. Actually, no, yes, I am answering your prayer. You said to grow it. This is how we do it. And it's difficult and it's a challenge. But tenacious people who step forward in the spirit, that's how they pray. That's how they see growth in their lives. We ask for it. I'll tell you what, I'd rather ask God for it than to have him have to thrust it upon me. Anybody with me in that? Always and forever that way. And then you wrap all of this up in Jesus' name. Not as a little bow tie, not because you just, what, what you were taught in Sunday school to do, but because you're praying with the authority of Jesus. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. You're praying with his authority. And when you pray that kind of a tenacious prayer, when that's your posture, when that's the condition of your heart, what you seek, what you ask for, what you knock the doors that you knock on, you'll begin to see God move in tremendous ways. Now, there are some answers to prayer. This is often a very confusing thing for people. And it's much, actually one of my pet peeves, if I can be honest with you as a pastor, because I think we've slipped into a, ver a verbiage, a way of talking that is very insidious. You've, again, you've, it's my hobby horse, so I'm, get on, I'm getting back on it again this morning. We talk about answers to prayer, and when we mean answers to prayer, we always mean yes. That's one of a God's answers to prayer is yes. And don't we love the yeses? 
That's awesome. Fantastic when we get a yes. But not one of you through 217 have come to me and said, David, I can't wait to tell you about how God said no to my prayer. He answered me with a big old fat no. And I can't wait to tell you about that answer to prayer. No one has ever done that in 25 years of pastoring, certainly not this year. Because when we talk about answers to prayer, we always mean yes. But there are three other answers to prayer that are very clearly seen throughout Scripture. One is no. And nobody likes that one, but it's as real as a no that you give your children. You've heard me tell this story before, but for those of you who are newer, when my son was a young boy, he asked me for something. I said no. He went into the next room. And he had the exact same conversation with my wife. And when my wife, Amy, said, well, didn't you just talk to daddy? Didn't he give you an answer? Actually, no, mommy, he didn't answer me. How many of you understand that no is an answer? Is it not? Is it not? Yes. So we don't like no's, but that's as every bit as much a part. In fact, you listen, listen to Caleb. I'm telling you, Listen to Caleb. They'll always have you call in and tell you about all the answers to prayer. But when have you ever had someone say, hey, I gotta wait to tell you God said no. I gotta tell you about this. But it's real. You have to face it. The sooner you face no, the better you will be as a follower of Jesus in growing to be able to accept those no's. Because again, he knows what's best for us. There's also times when God says maybe. Many times throughout scripture, he says, you know what? I'd love to get a, to be a part of that. I'd love to say yes to that prayer. But it's contingent upon your posture and your obedience. And he already knows what's going to happen, but this is for us to grow. And so maybe there's times where you've said, man, I felt like that was a maybe, and I waited for a long time, and then I got the no, or then I got the yes. That explains that, because he's waiting on you to either submit and be dependent upon him and obey, or if you choose the wrong direction and you disobey and you choose a path that's unhealthy for you, then that'll turn into a no. But sometimes it's maybe in the the intermediate time. And the last one is one that I don't like either. And it's wait. I hate waiting for anything. I want it in my timetable, in my time frame. I want it exactly like I want it. And that's what we're grown up to do here in the Western culture. But there were so many times over the course of life from the scriptures, and certainly you've experienced it in your own life, where wait is the reality of the answer that God has. Wait, I've got some growth. I've got some development. I've got some maturity. And you're just going to have to wait. When that happens in you, we'll move forward. But in the meantime, you wait. And we hate the waiting rooms of life, but that's where the growth happens. Because if it's answered too quick, a yes or a no, it shortchanges the growth and the work that God wants to do us do in us. And you know, the cool thing is, when you look at guys like Paul, who they talked, he you know, wrote three quarters of the New Testament, and he had this thing, this ailment, this difficulty, this sickness that he had, and he begged God numerous times to heal it. And each time Jesus looked at him and said, Nope, nope, nope. In the middle of all that, Paul heard these words from Jesus. The answer is no, Paul, but my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect. It shows up the best when you are the weakest in your weakness. And so you need to hear today that if no is the answer, his grace is sufficient. 
If maybe is the answer, his grace is sufficient. If yes is the answer, his grace will be sufficient. And if wait, if you're in a waiting season right now, his grace can be sufficient if you take him at his word, if you submit yourself and make yourself dependent upon him. That can be the result. Now, Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. 56 times in those 13 letters, he talks about prayer. He talks about praying. He talks of praise. He uses all those words. And he wrote to a church in Ephesus. He wrote to a church in Colossae. He wrote to a church in Galatia. He wrote to a church in Philippi. He wrote to a church in Thessalonica. And today I want to end our time together by doing something that I've wanted to do, frankly, for 20 years. I want to pray over you, Scripture. And I've been dreaming of this day for you as individuals and as families. And I want us to end 2017 and begin 2018 with prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. So I want to actually show you how to pray scripture, but I also, as your pastor, want to pray over you. We pray over you as a team regularly, but today will be something special. It'll be something different. May I have the honor of praying for you? I'm going to do it either way, so it's always nice to get a good head shake. What you're going to find as we walk through this is that these are tenacious prayers. And I'm going to pray them specifically, one prayer over each section. I'd like to begin with you all. So the rest of you, feel free to listen in. Feel free to pray. Pray for them. Pray for yourself. But allow these words to wash over you as we end a year and we begin a new year together. Ephesians chapter 1. I never stop being grateful for you. As I mention you in my prayers, I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. The spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. My prayer is that light will flood your hearts and that you will understand and hope, uh, will understand the hope that was given to you when God chose you. Then you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. I want you to know about the great and mighty power that God has for us followers. It is the same wonderful power he used when he raised Christ from death and let him sit at his right side in heaven. That's my prayer for you. Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength 
through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is for you. May you experience the love of Christ that is too deep, too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That is my prayer for you all. Philippians chapter 1. My prayer for you is that you will overflow more and more with love for others. And at the same time, keep on growing in spiritual knowledge and insight. For I so desperately, so desperately want you to always see clearly the difference between right and wrong and to be inwardly clean. No one being able to criticize you from now until our Lord returns. May you always be doing those good, kind things that show you are a child of God, for this will bring much praise and glory to the Lord. That is my prayer for all of you. Colossians chapter 1. Whenever I pray for you, I always begin by giving thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For I have heard how much you trust the Lord and how much you love his people. So since I first heard about you, I've kept on praying and asking God to help you understand what he wants you to do. Asking him to make you wise, to make you wise about spiritual things and asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor him so that you will always be doing good, kind things for others while all the time you are learning to know God better and better. I'm praying too that you will be filled with his mighty, glorious strength so that you can keep on going no matter what happens, always full of joy, the joy of the Lord, and always thankful to the Father who has made us fit to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom 
of light. That's my prayer for you. And for all of us, I pray for you that our Heavenly Father will make you the kind of children He wants to have, that He will make you as good as you wish you could be, rewarding your faith with His power then everyone will be praising the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the results they see in you. And your greatest glory will be that you belong to him. The tender mercy of our God and of our Lord Jesus Christ will make this, has made this, will make this possible for us. Notice how Paul prays. Notice what you've heard being prayed for for yourself with thanksgiving today for God's will, for salvation, for discernment, for the perfecting process and wisdom to be known to you, revelation and power and strength and love and the filling of the Holy Spirit to grow spiritually in depth and wisdom and knowledge and insight and purity and faithfulness and understanding. Those are tenacious prayers. And I want to encourage you to learn the power of praying the scripture over the people that are around you. People often asked Paul, and they ask me as well, David, how can we pray for you? I'd say the same thing that Paul said. Pray for courage. Pray for favor. Pray for vision and passion. Pray that Jesus gets every ounce of glory out of those of us who lead in this church, who serve you. Pray for protection over our relationships, our marriages, and our children. Pray that these, in fact, you could pray those five prayers right there, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Take Saturday and Sunday off, come back and pray them again, Monday through Friday for us. If those things were true of us, as I'm sure you felt of yourself, how amazing this world could be if those things were true of all of us. So in just a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to respond. You can come and find a place to pray here around the front if you'd like to do that. If you'd like to talk to Jesus about 2017, anything that we've, you've heard today or there's things that you're wanting to talk to him about for the coming year. And you can stay seated to worship. You can stand if you want. You can do whatever you want. But we want to use these next few moments to truly make this, as it has been, a house of prayer, to pray tenacious prayers The depth of tenacious prayers is found not in being removed from hardships throughout life. It's going through them in step with the Spirit. That's what those first followers saw in Jesus. That's what they did. And they grew as a result of it. And they became the men and women that launched his movement to become a global movement that he still wants to use in you and I, those kids teenagers that gather at Nexus and young adults at the table. God wants us to be a people of tenacious prayer. So how will you step forward in prayer this coming year? What kind of new resolve will you bring to prayer? God's listening. He's waiting. Will we take advantage of the option to come to him 
and seek his face. I hope you won't waste these next few moments as we sing together this next song. Let's worship. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.